Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Williams. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. Remember, you can also send me a tweet to E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is... At Egberto Williams. Let us engage. It is politics done right. One, two, three, four. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the program. Thank you so kindly for spending this one hour with me. We're going to have a good show. We want to talk about monopolizing on the implosion of the Republican Party, which I think is currently not yet occurring. Uh, Alec uh, Kohut, or Kohut, I think that's what you say. Thank you for, for being a part of the show here on Facebook Live. Uh, Democrats are capitalizing. Well, uh, maybe you should give us a call and tell us right now or at your convenience, how do you think Democrats are capitalizing? Telephone number, remember this is a call-in show. Telephone number is 646 nine two nine two four nine five again that number is six four six nine two nine two four nine five if you want to speak please remember to hit one so that i can see on the dashboard that you want to come in and we'll bring you on air but i want to hear all points of view whether you agree with what i'm saying whether you disagree with what i'm saying that is how we actually get things done by massaging messages together by massaging points of view together and then coming out with a product that in general should be better than one done singularly. Again, the telephone number 646-929-2495. Again, as you can see, the topic of the discussion today is going to be why is it, why is it that we're not as Democrats capitalizing on the implosion in the Republican Party? Why aren't we doing that? Many of you think we are. Hi, Phil Gaskill, welcome aboard. I want to hear those people, again, call in and let us know why you, first of all, if you think that we are, that Democrats are currently capitalizing on the implosion of the Republican Party, I want to hear what you think and why you believe that is so. If you don't believe that as well, I would love to hear your point of view. You can either write it here on the Facebook Live uh, and the Facebook Live dashboard so that I can bring it to the fold, or you can call 646 929 2495, press 1, so that I can know you want to speak. Well, let's start with some general news today. Um, I was watching this morning while I was spinning, I was watching uh, AM Joy. AM Joy had Malcolm Nance and a CIA, an ex-CIA agent who was on, the, he was on to uh, defend Donald Trump Jr. as far as the collusion. And what I think is more than collusion, I think it's unpatriotic. I think it's a, quite a whole lot of things the meeting that he had with the Russian agent. And it was interesting because what occurred in that discussion is, by the way, the guy, remember, Joy Ann Reed has Malcolm Nance constantly on her show who discusses a whole lot about intelligence failures of uh, not only the Trump administration, but, 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 but quite often of all administrations. And she brought on this intelligence expert who seemed to have been defending Donald Trump. And this intelligent expert had an, you know, the, this, the, the intelligent expert defending Trump tried to uh, twist himself. He twisted himself into a pretzel trying to say why it didn't, raise, it didn't rise to the, to, the, um, to the level of collusion. It didn't rise to the level of treason. It didn't rise to the level of unpatriotic un behavior. And it was interesting because Malcolm Nance's response to this guy, temporarily, I mean, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's probably a, spade, a paid Spock, but this, his, Nance's response was so good, and I'm trying to pull it up on my pad right now. It's not behaving quite well yet, um, but here, here, here is the deal. 
Here's what Michael Nance responded, and I want to read this because this is a type of pushback. This is how you push back against people who continuously spill misinformation. This is what he said. Let me just let let me just let me just give you an assist here, Fred, because you seem to need the help. Malcolm Nance said, "All right, look, you are an agency guy, meaning a CIA agency guy, and I am now talking not." just to you, but to every intelligence officer and watch officer in the world that's watching this program. We all know that when the opposition from your basic counterintelligence training, and you'd better remember this, when the opposition puts out a dangle in front of you, it is the target as its tactic. If they are going after Donald Trump Jr., it tells you everything you need to know about what the opposition wants. When they put out fantastical information that is coming from the government of Russia, you should know that this is an intelligence operation because these things do not happen. As we like to say, as we like to say, coincidence take a lot of planning, and everyone in the community knows this. And for you to sit here and try to argue against that means that you are going against everything that you've ever been trained to know. Neither you nor I would ever allow ourselves to be put in that position. And to say that this 39-year-old man is an amateur, he had the former director of defense intelligence agency on his staff as an advisor. So for the most part, I think making that argument is specious. It doesn't take the seriousness of this situation into account and it discredits and disgraces our intelligence agencies by trying to make this entire operation, which now all of our community, your community, my community, have determined was a spying operation. We should take it seriously and find out what, where it all came from. That is how you answer to these guys. That is how you answer to these guys in detail. Okay? In detail. Now, folks, we're, as you know, I have been preaching for quite a while that we should not spend an inordinate amount of time on the Russia issue because, as, I, as I've said many times, my belief is the Russia issue is a serious issue. It shows that more than likely our president, an agent of Russia, and when I say an agent of Russia, I don't mean, oh, he's a known agent of Russia or anything like that. What I mean is that he, is, he has put himself in a position where Russia can control him and in doing so can set policies that are negative to the United States and in favor of Russia because, again, he owes Russia not only money to the oligarchs, but also the silence of what Russia is holding over his head. That said, it is important that we don't allow Russia to become the sole purpose of our angst. It is important that we ensure that Russia is not the only thing that we are talking about. And why is that the case? Because as we hyperventilate on Russia, all news coverage has been Russia 24-7. And what has happened then? The Republicans have been doing backdoor deals to change health care, to destroy health care, to destroy net neutrality, to destroy the, the, uh, the, the, safety, the, the safety net, and all these other issues, and passing bills while we are all hyperventilating about Russia. That's going to help nobody in Tinbok 2, Michigan, in Tinbok 2, Ohio, in Tinbok 2, Houston, or all these other places. We have to keep the pressure on. So my topic today, of course, is why is it, and this is important, folks, why is it that Democrats are not monopolizing or, well, I got corrected on Daily Coast because I wrote the blog and I said Democrats are not monopolizing on, uh, on the implosion in the Republican Party. And a Daily Coast person who does, doesn't necessarily agree with my point of view specifically said, Egberto, you're using the wrong word. It's not monopolizing, it's capitalizing. I went ahead and looked up monopolizing us again, and I could be monopolizing, but I truly think what I wanted to say was capitalizing. So I wrote a little note and said, hey, buddy, you're right in correcting that blog. 
I should have used capitalizing and not monopolizing. But I'm going to stick inside of the video, folks, the number that I'd like you to call. The number for our show is uh, 28. Oh, what, I, I, I lost the number for the show, but I'm coming with it. 646-929-2495. Again, that number is 6. I need to get to it. That number is 646. And I'm going to put it in here. 646-929. Uh, and I forgot the rest. Uh, 646-929-2495. 646-929-2495. You want to speak, please press 1. And I want to hear different points of view. As again, my, my initial statement was, why is it, why is it, that Democrats are not monopolizing on it. And I'm going to get to the, the calls after the blog, what I call the blog of the week. And the reason I want to read this blog, again, it's another blog post that I wrote after watching um, uh, Michael Steele on TV talking about the ills of the Republican Party. And he made a prescient statement. And I, I, and I think I think we better listen to it. So here it goes. It's time for the weekly blog post. Okay, the weekly blog post here, uh, I called it, I said, former RNC chair death knell ringing every friggin' day for the Republican Party. Okay, that is what he said. The former RNC chair said the death knell ringing every friggin' day for the Republican Party. That's what he said. And the, the thing about it is, given the dire straits that that party is in right now, given the implosion that is occurring, given all the, the, ta- the headwind that they have, it seems like we should be doing a whole lot more in putting folks, when I say we, I'm talking about Democrats. Uh, 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 so anyhow, this is how the blog went. Says, Democrats are currently wallowing in what they believe is a sure victory in, 28, in the 2018 midterms. Former RNC Chair Michael Steele has a warning. And, you know, I don't never give a whole lot of credence to Michael Steele. After all, he, in the, in the past, uh, well, anyhow. But I think it's worth listening to. I've said it now for six months, Michael Steele said. The drip, drip, drip in this campaign and now into this administration will be its death knell. And it rings every friggin' day for the Republican Party. And they better wake up their butts up. They better wake their butts up and understand. Stephanie Rule asked why the Republican Party is allowing it to happen. Because they are scared of one-tenth of one percent of a base that is lockstep with Donald Trump, the former RNC chair replied. And the leadership is frozen. They have Cemented around, they have cement around their feet and they refuse to move. They can't get an agenda passed. Seven years healthcare? This is a joke. Infrastructure? Won't happen. Tax cut? Forget about it. Because the focus right now is on getting to the bottom of the crap that is building up around this administration that is weighing down the party. And if they don't wake up, there will be no party. That's what he said. Now, the other panelist, Bloomberg Businessweek editor Megan Murphy, asked an important question, and she said as follows. The more interesting question, I think, is this. Yes, they're playing to the 40% base that has stuck, that has stuck with Trump, Megan Murphy said. The issue is, are the American people and the American voters going to connect this morass, this Moscow-led mess that they are in today, that they're in day after day only with Trump or with the Republican Party more broadly. And that's an important point right there. Okay, important point, important point. Are they going to see the failure to move ahead with this agenda, which is critical to American people? Are they going to connect it? Is it 2018 and the ships are going down and the ships are going down for the Republicans? I don't see the Democrats putting forward the most positive case Now, Michael Steele concurred. He said as follows. Ironically, that is their saving grace right now because the Democrats are equally incompetent 
in putting together any plan to strategize, Steele said. At this point in the 2010 cycle, I had an idea of how I was going to go after the Democrats on health care. This team on the Democratic side have no clue. If you listen to the party leadership, they are like space cadets on steroids. They have no idea how to come at Donald Trump. And I keep telling them, Donald Trump is not your problem. You, you have to have the conversation with the base of the party, yes. But expand that out to include people who are sitting there right now going, I don't know if I like this crazy. Show me something different. Michael Steele and Megan Murphy are correct, folks. They are correct. They are correct. The Democrats have a great platform. We have the best platform there is. You take a look at the Democratic values. You look at Democratic values. Read that platform. I mean, we had a lot to do with it out there in Philadelphia when, they, when the platform committee went out there and, you know, we worked hard. We fought our way in with Hillary, the Hillary Clinton folks to make sure that platform said what it said. It is the most progressive platform ever. And you know what? All those progressive values within that platform are the things Americans want. Democrats, Republicans, independents, everybody wants what is in that platform now. They may call themselves conservatives. They may call themselves liberals. They may call themselves anarchists, whatever they call themselves. Those things in that platform, they want it. They want it. But we, those who are Democrats, those who are out there on the front line, have to be the ones that sell it in a narrative that people feel is believable. I'll continue with that in a little bit. Anyhow, the Democrats have a great platform. Their policies are as codified or what most Americans want. They are unable to package it into a coherent narrative that rolls off the tongue of every Democrat appearing on TV, radio, or print. That is something we try to do. That is something I try to write day in and day out. I try to apply to all, I try to drag people in with a lot of the narratives that we have out there on TV, and then I try to spin that narrative in such a manner that people can see, not only Democrats, because in as much as I'm a left-wing liberal, I try to reach over to every other ideology because I know there are commonalities there that we all want. And that is where we have to, where we have to go. So anyway, they are unable to package it. Democrats give millions of dollars to consultants that create lousy narratives that do not speak to but a small swath of the party. It is true that the Democratic base does not vote as they should, but the reality is Democrats need to hire people who know how to talk to their base instead of the same old, tired, failed Washington consultancy. And that is what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, right now, the Democratic Party, every time you open your mailbox, they're asking for money. I don't mind that. I really don't. I think we need money. And not only that, I think we need grassroots money. But it isn't only that they're asking for money. It is who they're spending their monies with. The party claims to be a party that's inclusive, that includes all of America. Okay? Where are those consultants based in, in uh, the ghettos? Where are those consultants based in the barrios? Where are those consultants based in Appalachia? Those guys in Washington, those guys in New York, those guys in California, they know nothing about a large swath of the Democratic base. So how can we market to them if the consultants we're using are these high-polluting guys sitting in some tower in these different places? You have to go to the community. I tell you, secondly, because there were many people in Georgia, there were many people in Michigan, there were many people all throughout the country, all throughout the country, begging the Hillary Clinton campaign, and I'm not relitigating that, but I'm trying to give an example here, begging the campaign not to come with TV commercials, not to come with these high-paid uh, high flyers going to mailboxes, but to empower the community. A billion dollars or so was spent. 
you know how much of that money could be placed inside of little community workshops that actually encourages people to go out there and vote or teaches them some civic, civics, allowing them to realize that they can really make a difference. Because one of the reasons a lot of folks don't vote is they think their vote doesn't matter. They believe I can go vote. I can vote for a Democrat. I can vote for a Republican. It doesn't matter. Look, those of us in the know, those of us that are political junkies, know that it makes a difference. Having a Republican, even an establishment Republican like Hillary would have been, would have been orders of magnitude better than Donald Trump. Yes, it's true that Bernie Sanders would have been orders of magnitude better than Hillary, because if he was going to turn people on to forcing their Congress people to support single payer, if he was going to turn people on to force people to start saying capital cannot be taxed at the same, I mean, capital must be taxed at the same rate, if not more, than work. Why should somebody sitting down in front of your pool with a whole lot of stocks make a whole lot of money from the stocks, and at the same time when it's time to pay taxes on the money that they've made, somehow pay less than the man who or the woman who goes to work every day? Think about that, people. By the way, as you listen to these videos and as you watch Politics Done Right, please do remember to share these things. We need people to share these videos to give another point of view so that other people are involved in the conversation. Share these things on your platform. Share these things on your social, through your social media. It is very, very, very important because as you do that, we get the narrative across and we get more people to listen and we don't simply hear a party line. Party line isn't good enough. If party line was good enough, right, we would have been winning because like I've mentioned before, we have the best platform. We have the, medi- we, we, we have the middle class centric the platform. We have the platform that will bring the poor into the middle class. That is our platform. The other platform has nothing to do with making lives better for the average American citizen. None. Yet. So therefore, we don't see our current, the, the title of the program today is, why can't, and I can't remember the title, so it seems to me like I got to bring it up here. Uh, the, the title of the program is, and I'm coming up here, and I want other folks to call in and tell me, why can't Democrats capitalize on Republican implosion? I have a few ideas. I think because it's not the, 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 the progressive Democrats that have the problem, and they have their own platforms, and they're doing their work within social media, et cetera, but it's those that go on TV. Those guys on TV aren't pushing the message. And why? Because they are not true. I, I, and, and I got hit on Daily Coast. They told me I'm hitting up the Democratic Party too hard, but I don't think that I am. I think, I think it is important for us to hit the party for not doing what it should. Again, folks, give me a call. That telephone number is, and I'll repeat it again, that telephone number is, come on, 646 929 2495. Again, that number is 646-929-2495. I'd love to hear your point of view. I'd love to put you on air here and let you tell America what you believe. We all have to speak up. We are all beacons. Those of us that are following programs like this, we are beacons. We're the folks that are going out there and trying to make a difference. We're the ones out there trying to tell our folks, folks, we got to engage. We got to engage. We cannot sit back and believe that somehow somebody else is going to do it or somehow we are not good enough or somehow our vote doesn't matter or somehow our ideas don't matter because they do. Okay, I'm coming to John now. John, welcome to the program. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, Egberto. How are you doing? Talk to me, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I really disagree with you. I mean, I think okay, that sure. uh, the you know the Democrats are doing well. I mean, the 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 single thing that that can measure Democrats versus Republican right now is the generic ballot. Uh, right now, yeah, right now Democrats lead by seven point three on five thirty eight. Uh, they lead by seven point two in real clear politics. I mean, if you look at these leads, you know, and, and look at it historically. You know they're right in line to to take the house. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. There was a good article on on Larry Sabato. 
I need to ask you. To, let, let me ask you to hold one second, my friend. Um, isn't it nine points? Doesn't the generic have to be nine points because of gerrymandering for us to take the house? And correct me if I'm wrong. No, no. Like, like I was mentioning, uh, Larry, uh, this guy named Alan Abramowitz, who writes for Larry Sabatos, who's a political, uh, you know, scientist who who's been doing predictive models for thirty to forty years. He just put a, something out on the sixth and. And he, what he said is that if it's down by seven points, and, and what he did is he measured this historically. And, right. uh, you know, every election, it, I mean, this uh, since the post-World War II era. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, you know, the, what he predicts right now in line with all of these historical models is that the Democrats will get 27 uh, seats. All they need is 24. 24. And so yeah. – Right. And so, I mean, you know, I just I think that you're being excessively negative. I think what is happening, though, within the Democratic Party is that it's extremely divided between, you know, the Bernie Sanders movement and the more uh, centrist Democrats. And you see this playing out all the time right now, because as as the primaries are, are approaching, I mean, this is already this already happened in San Antonio. We had a, a city council election. We had an R Revolution meeting uh, to where we we decided four different people were going to run for uh, you know within our movement uh, for city council. Uh, right. One of them did win. One of them did win. John Courage. And so, I mean, you see all this enthusiasm uh, right now. Tomorrow, I'm going to an R Revolution meeting uh, concerning the 21st district, which is Lamar Smith's district. Uh, oh, wow. We have four one, people, yeah. four four Bernie supporters right now who have already said they're going to run for this for this position. I've been to their websites, and they, I mean, they're they're strong candidates. And so, me, I mean, I, I don't want. I, let me tell you what I want to do. I, I understand I understand where you're coming from, where you're saying that I am overly negative. I am overly negative on the national level. I am working here like you are working in San Antonio with our revolution, and I'm also working with DSA and some other, some other groups, okay? Um, so I, I, the grassroots I see moving, that is not my, my concern. My concern is exactly what you're talking about, the establishment, the middle, right? The middle are the ones that, that get the coverage on MSNBC. The middle are the ones that get the coverage on CNN. I, here are my concerns, okay? And I think I've expressed it before, uh, and, and you've heard it before. We have to be proactive. We cannot uh, wait. We cannot continue to play the defensive role. And as an example... And this is, this is very, very important. As an example, healthcare that's occurring right now. We are solely concentrated on things like 23 million people are going to lose uh, their health insurance, like, uh, like the, 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 the rates are going to be very high, and all these other issues, which we have to count on. But the thing that we're not really putting a whole lot of work into is preparing America for October. October, the new individual rates come out. They are going to be massively, massively higher in many locations. And that alone, that seven points that you're talking about, uh, uh, Republican, the Republican number, the, I mean, the Democrat advantage over Republican number, can dwindle in, in no time. Again, remember Bush was very, was very much up in, you know, these numbers are very fluid. And my thing is we have to be more proactive. We have to be on the attack all of the time. And what I don't see is that attack. I see all the time defensive. If, I gave an example with a, a blog that I wrote when, our, uh, when, the, when the Democratic chair was debating the Republican chair on this week. On this week, every sentence out of every sentence or every other sentence out of this woman immediately said, Obamacare is cratering, Obamacare is expensive, all of your, and, and these are things that resonate with, look, I was on Obamacare. My wife just decided to go back to work after 26 years, and she got a, a, a plan, and I was in shock how ch- cheap her insurance was compared to the 
$1,200 or so a month I was paying for Obamacare with a $5,000 deductible. So I saw what the reality of what Obamacare is now, and some of it is going to get quite a bit worse in October. The, the, the Republicans will spend that because they're very good at it to say this thing is imploding, and they will use that. They will use that in order to really make us, or rather, to really change those numbers. And not only that, I, I wrote a piece for Daily Coast called, Will Obamacare be the, be the Pathway to Trump Care? And the reason I wrote that is, and I laid out all these different features, we should be screaming right now, like some of the blogs that I've written, we should be screaming about the sabotage that is occurring every other sentence. And I don't mean when asked about it. I mean, when we are on TV and the person says, well, this, you know, somebody says Obamacare is imploding. The immediate response should be Obamacare is not imploding. Your party is destroying Obamacare by doing one, two, three, all in one sentence that takes 15 to 20 seconds so that immediately that answer is rebutted with these things. And our party do not have those types of talking points for our people. However, the Republican Party does. And that is why every single Republican right now off of their lips, I mean, off of their tongues, you would constantly hear Obamacare imploding, Obamacare imploding, Obamacare prices. They have it down to a pack. And I'm saying those are the things that we need to do, not only on Obamacare, but also on several other issues that concern the average middle-class American. Go ahead, John. Well, I mean, again, I mean, I think we've, we had a little bit of this conversation before, but I mean, you know, I, I agree with you that we should spend a certain amount of time talking about this, but the main amount of time should be stopping the bill. And I think that I, the, 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 foc- the focus on stopping the bill is the main concern because, I mean, we're not, we don't have to – if they, the bill actually passes, that, that, this will start happening in 2008. Or, I mean, there will probably be a delay for one year. But I mean, who knows? Who the knows what? The way it's designed, and, and this is the other thing that people need to know about the bill. The way the bill is designed is that it doesn't take effect till after the 2020 election. There are certain parts that take effect. The ones that give great tax breaks to the people who are paying the capital gains, those things are immediate. But there are issues that are the, the part. The parts that are going to kill Kentuckians who are on 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 uh, Connect. The, the ones that are going to kill. The folks in Oklahoma, in Arkansas, those people that have accepted the Medicaid expansion to Obamacare, those don't kick in until after the 2020 election. And that is a strategic, these are the strategic points that I think a lot of Democrats don't realize. I mean, the American, the, the average American is busy, they're working, they, they, they just hear the top line. So we have to be ready with top lines with these guys. We have to be ready that anything negative that occurs within between now and 2018 that they correctly associate that with Republicans. The way I see it right now, October is going to be a change. And I see October being associated not with a Republican failure, with a Democratic failure, because I don't think we have, meaning with an Obamacare failure when I say Democratic failure, with an Obamacare failure, because I don't think we have been out there putting that message out. And here's the deal. If they're listening to that message about the sabotage, right, that we're talking about, that will translate. That will translate into that as well. Now, the caller, I guess I better turn you up because some of the people can't hear you. Okay, I've turned the caller up, my friends. Okay, go ahead now, John. Well, I mean, what I've seen and what I've heard, you know, on the Internet and on some cable TV shows, that I do feel they're addressing it. In the last poll that I saw when they were talking about, it, you know, uh, if if the rates increase for 2018, you know, they did – they said that the Republicans and Trump would be responsible, and that switched over from a few months ago. And so, like, who else – I mean, I'm not saying that there are a lot of illogical people who are going to support Republicans no matter what they say, but, you know, they – 
you know, I, I just think we're in a, a much better position than you you give credit for. And yeah, I mean, we're not in power. We don't we don't have a single messenger. And uh, but but I think we're we're actually doing pretty good. And and one of the things uh, I I, I want to I really haven't had a, a long conversation to, about the Ossoff race with you, but I mean I. I, I want to, you know, I I strongly disagree with you about this. And okay. so let me let me ask let me ask a question first of all. Uh, out of the last twenty special elections, how many elections have flipped districts, either gone from d- Democratic to or, or, to Republican or Republican to Democratic? I don't how many have that in the last twenty? I don't have it, but I know that you have it. Yeah, it's zero. It's okay. zero. It, because these special elections are extremely hard for the opposition party to win. The last one was uh, Anthony Weiner in 2011, and you know, so you know, I think uh, the, the, this race, the, the Ossoff race, yes, it was the 31st closest race on the metric of the the Trump Clinton uh, metric, and and it's true, Clinton only. Uh, only lost by a point and a half, and and Ossoff lost by 3.8, and that's that's sad. But I mean, Price won that district by 23 points, and so I mean, the the two metrics that I spoke of before, uh, Democrats in those four races that they all lost in, they gained 18.2 percentage points, and on the the Clinton. Uh, Trump metric, they gained 13.4 percentage points, and you know that'll be enough, you know, if to win the House if they do that. And I'm saying I'm not saying you know rest on your laurels, get out there. We're gonna have this big fight. In you know, I know March 6, I believe, is the date in Texas, and you know uh, maybe you can talk about that uh, Culberson. Uh, form that you mentioned nine days ago, and because I see I see a lot of enthusiasm, I see a lot of people who want to run for office who never ran before. I see a lot of Bernie supporters running for office, even here in Texas, and I'm sure all across the country this is happening also. And so uh, maybe you can talk about that that race. And were there any uh, our revolution candidates, or who were some good candidates? Yes, yes. Actually, let me say that I don't have the name of candidates right now. But in what we have this year in my, in our entire area, we are talking about TX18. All right, TX7. I think he's in seven. TX7. We also have TX02, which is uh, Ted Poe, which is my district. Uh, we also, have, I mean, uh, TX28. Look, there are a lot of candidates running, progressives and centrist candidates running. So, I mean, you are correct that the, all these races are going to be contested. You are correct. Those people that are running, those people that are excited are the party activists, and those are the folks who are politically inclined. And we are getting them out, and we are, putting, you know, we are doing what's necessary to, act, to make sure that people get into races that people run. That is occurring, Okay. I do not disagree with you on that. What I am urging, and I think it's important, right now you, you've thrown out the statistics perfectly. When I, I, I took those same statistics and wrote on, on Daily Coast two weeks before the election that I thought we were in trouble. And for that, I was slaughtered on Daily Coast because I raised a whole lot of those issues, and particularly the type of triangulation. And I didn't bring up Russia or anything like that, but I, you know, I discussed that in the article. My concern is as follows. The grassroots, you are very well informed, like, the peop- that, like many of the others, and that is going to work for a group of people. However, the Republicans have a machine to bring out the misinformed, the uninformed, much better than we are bringing out our uninformed and misinformed. And that is generally the difference. My concern is that difference could be realized as well in 2018 if we don't lay the pathwork now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to start the blaming for Obamacare, and, and I don't want to start putting the, 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 the narrative in people's minds now. Because what we tend to do, or what Democrats tend to do, 
is right up to the election or close to the election, after a lot of the Republican messages that have been going out on social media, that have been going out through their churches, that have been going out through their push cards and all these other things, we don't challenge those messages until close to the election. By then, a lot of those messages have taken root in people's psyche. I see it here in Kingwood. As I'm trying to deprogram folks, as I sit down in a Starbucks one at a time, two at a time, four at a time, as that occurs, you know, you change minds, but it, you have to have that message constancy that I don't, that I don't see. And it's not that I'm being negative with the, with the Democratic Party, and it's not that I don't believe the numbers that you are putting out there, because I, you're a factual person, and those numbers are right. At this current instant in time, we are in, Democrats are in a great position. I don't know if October that will be the same. I don't know if some new narrative that these guys are so good at, because remember, John, since 2006, or we've been on a losing streak throughout the country where we've lost the, and I think you heard Crystal Ball on my show say that several times. Now, a lot of people are obsessed with Crystal Ball because they think, what she's doing is whitewashing the, uh, the, the Democratic Party because of what she wants to do to encourage more people to vote. I think the woman has a, a, some, some interesting points. Go ahead, John. No, I, I, I thought she was great on your show. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad I called in, and, uh, you know, she made some very positive points when she was on with Joy Reid, the two points that, that you know, she was on two different times. And, right. uh, you know, Joy Reid was, like I said, disparaging her. And I, I don't really understand Joy Reid's uh, fixation with Bernie because she's a very smart person, and I enjoyed right. watching her show. Watching but, her I show. mean, I, I just don't get it because, you know, you know, if you look at that Harvard poll that came out in April, you know, she uh, – Bernie was – is doing if you look at every single category what what did he have the highest rating for african american people 84% of the african americans support bernie and and you know and i think that that has changed drastically since the beginning of the primary you know as as the primary went on people started to love bernie even centrist democrats are are realize that this guy is sincere and this guy wants to help the working class, wants to help the middle class, and you know he's he's extremely popular. And so, you know, uh, you know, I, I see your point. I mean, I, I agree that you know, I, I think that too much of a fixation, uh, you know, about you know winning the the Midwest. But I mean, the fact is, is that we're closer to winning in the Midwest than than we are in the South. I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, but what I'm saying is that you know I want I want our revolution candidates to run in every district. What I'm noticing is I, I was just looking a few hours ago at all the people who have who have uh, you know tried to run and most of them are running in Republican districts and that makes sense, you know, because you want to you want to flip the seat. But I mean I'd like to see somebody some real progressive run against Joaquin Castro. I mean I like Joaquin Castro. I think he has a lot of good ideas. But would would I rather have a Bernie candidate win? Yes, I would. And so you know we need to run it. I'm glad you said that because here in Texas, uh, Gene Green, which has been a mainstay in in Texas, got a very young, uh, uh, brand new brand new Congress. Actually, a very young brand new Congress candidate is running against him in the Democratic primary. And what I told, and, and he's, he'll be on my show, uh, uh, and you'll be able to talk to him at KPFT when we have him there. In fact, it was ironic. His wife showed up at KPFT yesterday to, uh, to try to, you know, get, get some coverage from this young man as well. So, yes, we do. You're, you're right. We need to have progressive Democrats challenge some of these other Democrats that have been very much in their, in their own, you know, sort of in their own domain, not really following the path, the democratic path, that, uh, the progressive democratic path that most Americans ultimately want. So I think it's very, very important. But, you know, so, I mean, I think it's happening, John. Come on in, John. Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, I just I, I feel that you know this is a this is kind of a a moment where uh, you know we're, we're on defense, you know, because of the health care, but I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, at the same time, you know, we have all this incredibly negative stuff about Trump, and you know, and and now we have essentially, like Maddow said, collusion was served on a platter this week, you know, and so I mean, I know you don't want to focus too much on on Russia, but I mean, the fact is, is that you know, this is this is hurting the Democratic Party. I mean, I mean, I'm not hurting the Democrat, hurting the Republican Party. And I know you've kind of said the other thing that we they, they'll sneak this in and maybe we will. And just to, to talk about, you know, uh, what we really don't know what is going to be in the final health care bill, because, I mean, we don't know what the Senate's going to pass. Uh, we don't know what's going to be in a conference committee. We don't know if they're just going to pass the Senate bill in a conference committee. We don't know if it's going to be a new bill. So we really don't know what it's going to have. What we do know is that there's an, a lot of incredible negative consequences in all of these different bills that have come up, in the House bill that was passed, in the Senate bill that hopefully won't be passed but may be passed. Uh, and and so, you know, I think you've talked – covered this very well. We've talked about all the millions of people. We've talked about the Medicaid, all the cuts uh, you know, uh, that, that have gone down. We've talked about the, the patient protection part of the, the ACA, which are the essential benefits which, which have an impact uh, not only on ACA, uh, people in, there in the ACA, which are only about 14%, but all the people who get coverage from, from uh, you know, employers, employers, which is a vast majority. So I think we've, we've covered this, and we've gone through all – and to be quite honest, I think that the, this is the, – the, the journalists, and, and I think that part of this is, you know, they've they have been attacked by Trump, and so I think they have gone a little bit out of their way to say, you know, this is what's actually in this bill, and right. I think they've done a better job, and the the public is more informed right now about health care than at any time since the ACA has come up when it was being passed, you know, when essentially when it was passed and then when when it came into implementation. Right now they're more informed than ever, and even half of the Republicans don't want this bill to pass. Half of the Republicans. It's amazing, you know. And so, you know, to me, yeah. as, a, as a political measure, I mean, of course, the, the main thing is I want to help people. My thing is helping people, and I think it's your, your main objective also is to help people, help people in the working class, help people in the middle class. And so we have, we're in strong agreement on that. Uh, but, oh, by the way, you know, I want to say. Something else, John, because uh, you mentioned that I don't want to talk about Russia. I put out a blog uh, a week ago. Uh, well, when when the collusion was made official, in other words, when that when the Trump son, uh, Trump Jr., responded to a letter. And that, by the way, that was a that was a ruse. That was the intelligence agency from Russia doing a check to see if they could actually buy the Trumps. That's what that was, because nobody writes a letter like that. I mean, that, that letter was a completely incriminating letter altogether. And it would not surprise me if somehow Russia released that stuff initially as a, remember, we have these things, you know, because I, I tell you, did, did you read the entire chain? I, I printed, I, I blogged that. Did, did you read the entire um, sequence of, of emails? I read most of it. I didn't read every single right. word. Because but... what, what happened is I made sure to uh, – I, I wrote, read the whole sequence, and my God, it is collusion. And what I responded to that same time is I said, look, folks, I've been talking about leaving Russia alone and concentrating on the medical issues and on the social welfare issue and all these other issues. But now is the time that we have to add Russia strongly to the repertoire. So I – since that piece of information came out, I came out and said, Russia is another topic that I will be covering again. Uh, again, probably 25% of my blogs are going to have that now in there, not, still not the majority, but I think it has to be covered uh, now that we have something that we can grab onto. In other words, 
that collusion, that email, and given that he has already confessed to the email, because remember, if the New York Times printed the, 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 the email, but he didn't respond, we could still say that it was a doctored email and all that sort of stuff. But he preempted them. I mean, that is how silly this guy is. They preempted the emails that the New York Times would post, which gave them no other option than to admit it was correct. And everybody knows it now. So, uh, so yes, I definitely believe that we need to ha- add Russia to our repertoire right now. Folks, nobody else but John called in. I really wanted to hear some of your voices and hear exactly what you thought. See how easy it is for us to talk. John, isn't it easy for us to discuss these particular issues? Absolutely, yeah. definitely. Love, love this show. Love your, love your blog, and I have for many years. You know, and, and you know, so I, but I'd like to get more people calling in. You know, here's the interesting thing: voices, voices. You know, John has a, a, a strong voice that he's that he's using. Not you, you actually speak on some other shows as well, John. Tell what other show are you on? I'm a pretty much a, a regular on on Sam Cedar's show, and uh, you know he had me on his uh, on his uh, uh, election coverage also because uh, you know that kind of specialize on on elections, and uh, he had me me do two different sections, uh, one with our revolution candidates, and then right in the right in the center when everything was starting to get ugly he you know he did another about a 40 minute section with me and that that was painful but i mean you know we just have to fight on and i think people are fighting on i know you are we all are fighting on and the thing about it is um folks like yourself and others you know you you're you're actually inspiring people to get involved you're inspiring people to say we you know we lose some but that's part of life we get up. And I mean, Crystal Ball said that as well. She said after the election, she was in bed feeling down and had to say, what am I going to do? And she got up and she's done a lot. She's written a book and she's not only written a book, but created a, a writer. Okay. Let's go to line number, uh, line number two here. 703. Come on in my friend. Talk to me. Is this Alec? This is Alec. How are you, Egberto? I'm great, Alec. Talk to me, my brother. Well, the reason I called is earlier, uh, you kind of started the show with uh, why aren't we taking advantage of what's happening in the Republican Party. And as you're aware, out here in Virginia, we have an election every year. Yes, so yes you do. In the, in the off year, this year, we have the governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and the full House of Delegates. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm calling is to let you know as an individual on the ground, and I mm-hmm. used to work on political campaigns, so I have some experience here. There's a level of energy and excitement that I have not seen in 20 to 25 years in the Democratic Party. Great. And we are seeing people, and I'm one of them, who are organizing and doing things on their own and trying to make a difference. I mean, just a few weeks ago, some women who were new to politics, brand new, they organized a summit. They got over 300 people there to pay to come to this summit and get motivated. We had all the House of Delegates candidates. We have more candidates than we've ever had challenging Republican incumbents, and there's an energy and excitement on both the grassroots level as well as in the fundraising. So we're doing it both out here, and I think you're going to see at least five or six seats uh, switch parties. We can wow. flip. So. It's tough. I mean, it's never easy to beat an incumbent. But this year we've got so much energy and excitement. We're matching that with money. So it's, it's looking good out here. Oh, look, I, that, that is music to my ears. That is music to my ears. And I tell you what, I think that sort of corroborates some of what John was saying. Now, what I, what I want to ensure is that we maintain – the good thing about it is you have an election coming up uh, next year. So – People have to be energized. Oh, no, we have, we have an election. I mean, this year. I'm sorry, this year. This Forgive year. Me. Yeah, November 7th. This year. Right, right. I for, I, I, that's what I meant. I just forgot. And what I mean is that is great because now what we're seeing is you have people on the ground working right now. Our elections here in Texas and in other places aren't until 2018, right? So what we have to do is we have to start we – have, we have to keep the narrative going, and we have to keep the minds of these people fresh – 
so that when that time comes, we will be just as energetic as your folks in Virginia. I have, been, I, I have read about your election, and I think you guys are doing a great job. In fact, your governor came on, uh, on, on TV a few, few weeks ago saying the same thing, but, you know, nobody's going to really believe the governor. We want to hear it from the grassroots, and Alec, you are the grassroots. Yeah, we're grassroots. I've started a committee that's going to go after these low-propensity voters that only vote every four years. Uh, My committee is working to get volunteers and raise money to go after this. So we're really attacking this from a lot of different points. We're starting to focus on down-ballot races because if one thing is true, when, when when you promote the top of the ticket, votes don't always, there's not always a coattail effect. But when you promote and work at the ground level on down-ballot candidates, it always filters up that they vote Democrat all the way up. Right. Well, that that is great that you're also thinking down-ballot. So we have something here in Texas, uh, in Harris County, known as a coordinated campaign. And that is exactly what happens. Uh, It is is about pooling, uh, pooling the money together to do exactly that. So, I mean, it, that actually works, and that actually works very well. So, look, you keep up the good work. Anything you want to add before we come to the – well, actually, we have another couple minutes before we have to sort of come to the end of the show. What else do you want to add? You know, what I would say to everybody listening and everybody you can reach at Daily Coast is have people start to focus on Virginia. You know, we, we're watching the power of micro-donations now where people can give 3 5 $10 to a candidate or a committee that's doing work, and if we make a big, if we make a really uh, powerful message, if we send a message to the country in November, and Democrats really have a huge showing, that's going to build a tidal wave of momentum into that 2018 election. So I would suggest ask people, you know, whether it's my group, which is called Turnout Blue, or any of the candidates, you know, by all means, send three, five, ten dollars. Do what you can to help us do what we're doing on the ground. And if we make that statement this year, we've got so much momentum into 2018. Alex, from your ears, from your mouth to my ears to the ears of my blogs, I want to ask you a, a favor to go ahead and stick that, that donation link in the, um, in the, right under the, 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 our video here. And what I'll also do is I'll write a blog, uh, kind of, uh, with, with, and with probably using a piece of your statement here as far as what folks need to do. So give us a link, and we'll definitely promote that as well, because, again, we all have to work on this together. Yeah, and what we do is if we do well in Virginia and we get a ton of assistance, we're going to pay that back when 2018, when Texas needs us, when Colorado needs us, when Wisconsin needs us, when Pennsylvania needs us. That That is exactly right. Well, look, thank you so much for coming. Like, I mean, uh, we want to hear your voices, friends. We want to hear next week. Let's have more people calling in. Okay. Actually, next week we may not have a show. I'll be in Washington, D.C., uh, I think, next week. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll meet the week after that. But, look, thank you very much for calling, uh, Alex. You're welcome, and it's great to talk to you again. Absolutely, sir. Now, uh, give me a uh, before you go. Uh, jo- hold on, Alex. John, give me a quick closer. Then we're going to ask Alex for a quick closer. You only have thirty seconds. Okay. Uh, just one thing. Again, the most important thing is the human aspect of the of the of the uh, health care bill, and but. There's also a political effect, and so you know if if they if they pass this bill, it'll have an incredible negative impact on the Republicans. And if they don't pass it, their base will be demoralized because they promised this for many years. And so you know, so all right, thank you. I appreciate it, my friend. Okay, Ali, give me a quick thirty-second closer. Let's all work together, get behind our effort in Virginia. Let's send a message to the country that the Democrats are coming out swinging. We're coming out fighting. It's about to take some seats back, and it's time to start focusing on down-ballot races. Great. You've heard the message from two very great grassroots um, people, on the, people on the ground. They, are, they know what's going on. Folks, that should be you as well. Please, folks, do remember, please do remember to share these videos. 
Share these stories. Let folks know that we are here. Let folks educate our, and I don't want to say educate in a condescending way, but let's educate our brethren. Let them know that we can really make a difference. This is Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, and thank you so kindly for having spent this hour with us. We will do it again. We do it twice a week. Eventually, we're going to five days a week, but we're going to be doing these shows over and over again. You have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful rest of the weekend. And we are out.